You're listening to the Physio Matters podcast in association with exerciseprescriber.com. And this is session 53. Welcome back to Physio Matters. I'm still Jack Chew, and I've got a few things to keep, get you up to date with, and then we'll dive straight into what is a bumper episode that I know you're going to love. Uh, we've got some really exciting news. Uh, the first thing being, we have launched the uh, page for the conference. So we're doing a reforming MSK practice conference, which is at the Museum of Science and Industry in Manchester, 5th and 6th of October. So that's a Friday, Saturday, and the tickets are on sale now, £250 for the full two days. We have a, a party on the Friday night, actually in the museum's foyer, which includes some food, some bands, and things like that. So it's going to be it's going to be brilliant. Check out the ticket booking site, which is www.buytickets.at forward slash reforming msk that's the most direct route to the ticket site although you can also visit reform.physio and click through to events or forward slash conference to find out more about it program full program to be announced um at a, at a later date but similarly we're gonna we're gonna drip feed you this information it's selling really well i mean do do if you want to come along and please get your tickets booked because it, then i can't imagine I mean, we've, we've got good amount of space i mean the reason we're doing it at this scale is because we we know it's going to be popular but the moment i can't guarantee uh, that they're going to be a, around for long um so do do sign up as quickly as you can if you fancy it just a few examples of what we're going to be doing um there's a few things that it's not going to be so you're not going to have your your hundreds of posters to to wade through uh you're not necessarily you're not going to have a, a trade stand area that you need to be wading through and looking at gadgets and gizmos we're trying to clean things up and just have a quality program um and great interaction so we're saying it's the clinical conference with a conversational twist and so we will bring bringing it all together physio matters style for you lots of debates lots of discussion panels etc so a few examples that we put on the ticket website that i'll run through you so we're, we're going to have certain sessions so we'll have reforming something so we've got reforming exercise for example that's going to be led by eric Mira as a keynote but it'll be quite a short keynote and then we'd sit him on a panel for example with people like joe gibson brad neal paula deacon adam meekins then greasing the wheels of dialogue we would then put, bring bring together some podcast style questions to each of the panelists and then fielding the question fielding the audience for questions and comments and getting you guys interacting as much as we can with topics like that we also have a brilliant session called reforming patient engagement which is going to be led by joletta belton who uh, we're bringing over and as this podcast states we're, we're really trying to make sure that the patient voice is front and center in a process of reform and, and giving us the reasons as to why we're doing that so we're going to then sit her with fellow patients educators and clinicians discussing how we can learn from our past mistakes and successes to make sure that we, we bring things together sensibly and, and correctly and then for example a reforming orthopedics session with sports and exercise medics esp physios debating triage and who should be at the front and center of that role surgical indication under scrutiny and that's going to be with roy Lilly, who's a health policy analyst and so that will be a sort of debate and discussion in and around that. So really trying to set the world to rights on it. We've got other sessions that we're, we're in planning with, reforming our manual therapy, uh, reforming education. There's breakout workshops at least once each of the two days. We, we break out into smaller side rooms. Um, so there's lots of different ways in which we're going to try and make it as interactive as possible. So we're extremely excited about that, as you can imagine. And again, the easiest way to find out more about that is to go to www 
buytickets.at forward slash reforming msk and that'll get you straight there and as i say get yourself signed up as soon as possible because they are selling quickly and we've not even told you guys on the podcast yet how to get there so it's impressive that people are even finding those links on social media etc so do get do get those snapped up if you haven't already seen it then check out our facebook page where we took two live streams from the panel discussions at the last hashtag the big r's uh, event in birmingham which was a huge success we did a 90 minute panel discussion and into audience interaction on reform uh, sorry on reasoning and then on to responsibility as well brilliant uh, panelists on there and thank you so much for everyone that got involved with that just to give you a clue as to who's been involved in this project so far and who's going to be speaking at the conference, just to reel off a few names. Jolata Bolton, Eric Mira, Joe Gibson, Roger Kerry, Naomi McVeigh, Karim Khan, Heather Watson, Paul Deacon, Brad Neal, Leslie Holsworth, Neil Langridge, Adam Meekins, Roy Lilly, and Martin Ongwen, all confirmed uh, for the po- for the reforming msk practice conference uh, with hashtag the big r's so do check that out you've always wanted a physio matters conference here it is let's see you uh, in the room if you want to know more about what we're getting up to with reform.physio then check out reform.physio forward slash community is going to be where we're then launching a google drive style library uh, we're, we're working out exactly what is the best plugin for the website on that so we're probably going to need to design a members area there's also going to be a forum to discuss all those sorts of issues which I think is going to be really important for this movement and this message and so we can make sure that we, we're as transparent as possible so you'll be able to log into that and, and wade in with a discussion and also be able to access policy documents and guidelines likes of PGDs or, or um, we're trying to make sure that we offer quality blueprints of practice for competency frames works etc it's going to be a real uh, go-to spot for us um, when we're all trying to collaborate and, and move things forward to, to for the best of MSK practice and of course those things will be discussed at length at the conference but also um, on reform.physio forward slash community is where you need to keep your eyes peeled for so I uh, hope you hope more, many of you weighed in on there and hope we're going to try and take what is that the best of some of the social media platforms where we have interprofessional discussions but trying to mitigate some of the worst of it so reducing the anonymity increase the accountability um, and try to make sure we, we're pragmatic and moving towards solutions on, on certain issues that we all deem important so very exciting times ahead for that anyway today's podcast is incredibly exciting for us and a huge thanks uh, as ever to exerciseprescriber.com for, for helping us to put episodes like this together where we're, we're tr- trying to do something different trying to do something new that we just think is the right thing and, and exerciseprescriber.com have, have really helped us to do that where they've just they've supported us on whatever episodes we, we choose to put together uh, which is incredibly innovative and, and brave of them to do so um, so I really thank them for that because as, as I'll discuss with Adrian, who's one of our patients who's on the podcast today, uh, he's, he's had an incredible journey that I think is well worth telling you all about. And so to bring that forward um, to you guys is, is something that is only afforded by the support of companies like exerciseprescriber.com and also those of you who support us on Patreon. So if you haven't already, check out Patreon uh, if you want to throw us a few quid on a monthly basis to keep things like this going, if you think that these things are useful. Adrian's uh, first appearance on uh, on physio platforms was also part of our hashtag Dear Student Me video, which is on on Twitter uh, and Facebook, which is basically a, a, a who's who of uh, physios and patients and other professionals that are, if they could give the student selves a piece of advice, what would they do? What would they say? And so we've edited that into a video. It's only nine minutes. Check that out on to on social media and uh, share that with uh, with especially new graduates and students, but also well worth having a little muse over. Uh, 
ourselves. I certainly learned a lot from it. So we've edited that together. Hashtag Dear Student Me. And if you want to get involved, then uh, what would you tell your student self is something that we're trying to get together on that hashtag, either with videos or on tweets and Facebook and Instagram and stuff. So yeah, check that out as well. Adrian's on the end of that. And you'll see why he's a really important voice in this space. So hope you really enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. And once again, thank you so much to Adrian and to exerciseprescriber.com for supporting what we're doing. All right, take care. I'll speak to you the other side. So very special uh, today for us to be having what we're calling the Patient Matters podcast, and and really interesting because I've I've often we've often tried to bring this conversation to you, and there's been several patients of ours over the years that we thought have got really interesting stories, as many patients do that we'd like to bring to you, but for various reasons that's not always appropriate. But we're very thankful today to be able to bring. Uh, with to you one of our one of our patients that's got a story that's certainly worth telling and certainly lots for us to learn from I don't want to introduce him too much because of course he can do better so himself so but I want to first and foremost thank you so much for being here Adrian and uh, would you like to introduce yourself to you to the listeners yes well uh, thank you Jack and uh, yeah welcome to uh, your listeners um, I was struggling Jack before I came up today to think why why would your listeners be remotely interested in another pain story um, because they probably do that daily listening to the patients um, but hopefully you won't lose too many listeners at the end of this <laughs> podcast uh, I could also say I'm a plant by other people who do podcasts to bore the hell out of your listeners so you lose some of your uh, your legion of fans <laughs> but yeah my name is Adrian McGregor um, I'm 53 years of age I was a War Marine for five years and I left the War Marines in 1986 uh, and joined the fire service in 1987 and left 2015. So I've had two biggish careers. Um, so I'm officially retired from the fire service. I'm a patient of, of yours, Jack. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be lots of other details that have been teased out during this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so stick with it, I say. Yeah, good. No, and, and I think that, that the funny thing is, yeah, you're, you're humbly suggesting that you might be considered a plant by other podcasters as a rivalry. I think we're going to get people suggesting that you're a plant by, by us, um, and, and we'll come to some of the reasons why as they, as they come out. But a patient of ours currently, but also a user of physiotherapy services for, for several years now, and experienced the profession in various different ways, in various guises over time. So that's one of the reasons why, just to answer the question directly as to why I think that your story is going to be very interesting for the listenership and, and beyond. So uh, thank you once again for your time. And, and, and I've got to say as well, as I alluded to in the introduction, the bravery for doing so, because it does take, take a lot to, to come on these things. It goes out to a wide audience. And unfortunately, some, some patients have uh, understandably and totally forgivably not wanted necessarily to share their story in the detail that you're willing to today. So. Yeah, um, part, part of uh, my rehabilitation um, and I'm sure we'll talk about all the different things I've tried, uh, has been about kind of losing the anger towards pain and, and developing certain compassionate behaviours um, and giving things back. And I suppose if, if there was one message that I, I'd want to put out is that, you know, through, through the journey that I've taken to give something back, to give back to your industry, physiotherapy, and also people who are in pain. So that's important to me. So I think a, 
I really we, we, we needn't keep alluding to it we can we can simply then give you the floor to tell your story uh, from from the top starting from wherever you you like really I'll start from perhaps the age of 16 uh, at the age of 16 I joined the warm rounds um, so by the age of 16 I'd, I'd already completed the commando course, the warm room commando course, and I'm sure there's physiotherapists or others listening to this would probably know how difficult that is. Um, at the time, I probably didn't think it was that difficult. It's just um, I was, as a 16-year-old, as a you're very adaptable. Um, there's a relevance to, to that, and if, if I flip back to where we are now in terms of a patient and a, a patient suffering from pain and the fact that you know, these key parts of the, the bio-psycho-social model. Um, early exposure to, to stresses at a young age, at 16 doing the commando course, these may plant a seed for future events in life. Um, and if you can follow my thread later, you, you'll see what I'm trying to refer to. So at the age of 16, I've done the commando course. Um, even at the age of 16, I'd already started to be exposed to some life-changing events. Um, minor injuries, um, early days I'd kind of suffered uh, concussion, fractures, all minor stuff. Um, at the age of 16 I was caught up in a grenade explosion, suffering minor injuries. Um, my life was saved by another Royal Marine uh, and he got the Queen's Commendation for bravery for all that. So again, why am I saying this? do all these things link to future things that's going to happen in my life. So then my career moves on as a Royal Marine, serving in various parts of the world, doing different things, which I'll, I won't go into too much. By the age of 21, I've, I've left the Royal Marines and I've joined the fire service. And then I went on to have a very successful career as a firefighter. Again, being injured a lot, but more importantly, being exposed to stressful events things that shape you as a person and things that may shape the rest of your life. Again, did I worry about them too much during that career? Well, no, you just get on with it. It's just shit that happens. Um, the life-changing event for me was my, my injury and that happened in about the year 2000. Uh, I was uh, a breathing apparatus wearer at a factory fire um, in, in a place called Blockswich, which is in the West Midlands. And unfortunately, um, after we put the fire out, I fell through a, a concrete floor. Um, basically, the, the, the occupiers of the factory had cut a hole in the floor to use a forklift to put a piece of machinery up onto the first floor. So there was just a hole there. We didn't get any warning um, that this hole was there because you wouldn't expect a hole to be in a concrete floor, would you? Um, and after we put the fire out, I, with my, my partner who was in there as well, we was ventilating, which means opening windows. And I took one step forward and just felt myself as if I was in a lift. A lift, you know, we used to get that inertia and you, you're falling. I knew I was falling because I was almost thinking, you know, counting the seconds. One, two, then smack, I hit the floor. Now, thinking I'm wearing a breathing apparatus set as well, so I've, I've almost got the weight of a child on my back. Um, when I fell, I knew I'd done some damage because I'd got that awful feeling that I just couldn't move. And cut a long story short, I was rescued. That they, they got me out, but I'd suffered quite severe fractures to my leg. 
Um, I'd injured my back, uh, but majority of my injuries are my right hand side. Uh, I went on to have um, lots of surgery from, uh, I had a compound fracture, I had fractured fib and tib, my ankle was dislocated. Um, I didn't suffer too heavily trauma-wise from my back, but I did start started to notice in the year 2000, niggly back pain. So I, I was having surgery, I went on to have about, have about seven operations on, on my leg, but I did start to know niggly back pain. So my career continues in and out of hospital, and I just steadily rise through the ranks in the fire service. And as, as I did, it was becoming a little bit more stressful, as it does. The, you know, the, the, the weight on my shoulders and the expectations was greater. Um, cash your mind then forward to 2012, and um, I did notice that the back pain was just slightly getting a bit worse and started to feel kind of and I'm using language that I now know I wouldn't back then obviously because I didn't have a clue what radiated pain meant but I felt this little tingling down my my right hand side Um, and part of the training requirements for a firefighter is that we regularly enter competitions and we have one competition called a breathing apparatus competition where a team will go through a fictitious incident. Uh, there's a fire in a house, so it's set light to the, to the uh, house fire, and they'll put uh, simulated casualties, dummies in different parts of the house, and a fire engine or a fire plants will turn up, and it's a timer to see how many you can rescue and put the fire out. And, and it's all a competition, procedures and, and time, etc. So I entered, along with my team, this competition, again as a breathing apparatus wearer, and... I came out of the the, um, the 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 house, and for some reason the pain switch had just gone into super high. I, I was doubled up in pain outside. I, I when I took the breathing apparatus set off, I couldn't straighten up, and yeah, the pain was severe. And I know you've kind of been through this sort of back pain before. So in terms of the scale of the pain, it was pretty relentless. Um, then went through the normal go to the doctor back pain I probably was referred for some physio at the time um, back in 2012 NHS physio uh, didn't seem to do too much it didn't help um, I was referred for an MRI scan and again using my old language I wouldn't have had a clue what an MRI scan should show will show um, you know if, if Whatever the report said when it come back, I took it as at face value. So if the MRI scan came back as, you know, degenerative changes at L4, L5 and L5S1, large prolapse at L5S1, um, sounds really bad to me, that does. Um, especially it's in black and white and you can see a report and then go back to your GP and he then painted a slightly gloomy picture. To me which was the same sort of word same language so I think going back then the things were starting to happen in my mind where it was already bad the language in the picture that was being portrayed was was bad and he suggested that I be referred to a, to a surgeon within a few months I've gone in for a discectomy on L5S1 and I then start my six weeks rehabilitation um, before I then go back to work on, on light duties. 
it did seem to um, to work, and the, the the radiated pain seemed to to be less after surgery. So the sort of things I couldn't do before, I couldn't see it. Any time I went into flexion, it was very very painful, and I. Uh, I, I seemed to kind of knock a hole in that. I I I did notice some some improvement, and I carried on with six weeks rehabilitation, and then then went back to work, but still noticed a niggling back pain, which was disappointing because I thought magic wand it'll get rid of all this, and I'd not been on any on a journey of discovery where I did any research myself to see what you know. Consequences of surgery, what were the risks? I remember filling a form in as a patient to say, you know, sign here, these are the risks, you might die, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really pay too much attention because, hey, as a patient, you want one thing. I want to be pain-free. Please get rid of this pain. And if a surgeon is saying, I could perhaps, you're in a window of opportunity to, to, for me to um, help you with that ridiculous pain, um, you take it. I'd only been back work couple of weeks and whilst I'd still got the back pain I noticed that I was starting to have very bad pains in my fingers, my hand, my arm, my shoulder on the right hand side and I thought this can't be anything possibly to do with my lower back and I'd have to say the pain was even worse than the lower back and very very painful, couldn't sleep, um, again went back to the doctor Doctor, doctor, <laughs> why am I suddenly having this pain in my neck? Went for an MRI scan and there was a prolapse at the C, I think C7, C6, C7 area of my neck, which was really impinging on the nerves down that, that right hand side. And as you can imagine, my kind of life started to fall apart. So I thought, is this my whole spine going? Um, because I'd never had exposure to someone who could sit down and, and temper my thoughts or put it into perspective. Right. Uh, referred back to see a surgeon, same surgeon who did my, uh, my lower back, and thankfully it was, just leave it, we're not doing any surgery, hopefully it'll settle down, um, try a few exercises, and <coughs> luckily I never had any surgery on, on the neck. Um, I got back to work as normal, carried on, and um, the back pain, where it had the original discectomy, there was no improvement, so I went back to the surgery. And in 2014, I had a reversion, um, where they basically, following MRI scan, noticed that the disc had come out again. Um, and so therefore, he did a second discectomy on that same disc. This time for back pain rather more than like ridiculous pain. pain yeah because from a, from a patient perspective and this could be any any issue language I'm sure I'll cop up again it was never explained to me that I mean I just thought back pain was back pain what I didn't understand was that the, the, the back surgery could, could fix the ridiculous pain because of, of it impinging on the nerve but back pain per se probably wouldn't be successful for back pain wherever that's caused by. And again, I, I don't want to sound like an idiot talking here, but no, I, I didn't know. 
I thought the back pain was being caused by the back, by the disc, by the prolapse, by the nerve irritation, by the scar tissue, and etc. Um, you know, a mechanical thing, as opposed to pain from anywhere else. I mean, we're going back to the days where if somebody had said to me, the pain might not be coming from anywhere near there, Adrian, it might be coming from your head or wherever, I probably would have wanted to, to hit them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... It was now separated. There's the ridiculous pain and there's the pure back pain. I can't do anything for your back pain. And it was like, well, what, is, what can be done for the back pain then? And then this is where, we, where I start to go down another path of chronic pain management, the chronic pain clinic, the GP, you know, offering all the sort of um, antidote for pain, which, is, as you're well aware of, is, is the... Um, the low-level stuff, paracetamol, uh, right up through the morphine patches, and in between there you've got your, your gabapentins and your pregabalins. So I, I tried them all, all of them. Very medicine-focused, because again, I'm listening to experts. I didn't know what I know now in terms of questioning any of that. GP referral, five minutes, medicine. It's referred to a pain clinic. At no point was... And this is not bashing anybody. I wouldn't want to do that. Um, you know, wanting to throw any anybody from the medical community under the bus. But our CBT, other forms of pain management, mindfulness, and all them 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 tools was never mentioned. Um, the mind body connection to pain never mentioned. Nobody was helping me or talking to me at all about pain. I can't remember any of that. Nobody ever explained to me the association between, you know, surgery. One of the risks from surgery is that you might want to develop chronic pain. Because if they did at the time, I probably would have said, run that one by me again. How does that work then? Why would having surgery cause chronic pain? Um, but, you know, that, that, that is what happened. And um, obviously, I, you know, you can't turn back the clock. And, and it, I, would, I wouldn't know where pain originated from anyway. Why would I? Sure. So that takes me up to um, then uh, the decision to, to retire me on, on medical grounds in the fire service because then I've had two spinal surgeries. I then had to have a, a shoulder surgery. Everything was on the right-hand side. And, and again, I, I used to put everything down to the fact, well, it's all on my right-hand side. It's got to be due to that fall sure. where I was physically damaged. It's a mechanical thing. Why would it all be on the right-hand side? Because that's what a patient does. A patient will make up his own stories if he can't find the, the, the true facts or he's not, he's not having it explained to him by people who, who should know better. Um, so in 2015, I was medically retired from the fire service uh, due to these, these injuries. And yeah, you know, and a big thank you to Westminster Fire Service who, who did look after me. Um, and, and I've been retired really since 2013. And I've, I've, I started my own journey of discovery after I, I refused to go down a path of um, passive care. I, I didn't want... Even back then, I knew that the implications are taken... The, the medication wouldn't be good. And luckily I developed, I had some um, 
some skills, some self-awareness um, to, to find out myself about trying to fix my own pain. So I would have started research, you know, going back into 2015 to look on the internet, casting my net really wide, you know, back pain and looking at all the sort of experts out there to see, see if I could find the holy grail really, a person or a thing um, that, that could help me. Uh, even should I be exercising? You know, that question, best exercise for back pain. So my journey would have started with that very simplistic, is it okay to exercise while you've got back pain? Yeah. Very simple. If we can punctuate just there for a second, just yeah. to make sure that I've not missed anything, is there anything up to this point um, with regards to your care, be that physiotherapy or otherwise, that ha- has gone unmentioned? Because um, you've mentioned a few things that have and haven't been, been tried at that point. And I know I know where this is going, so uh, yeah. of course it's going to be lots we could then discuss, and, and the the journey only gets more interesting, doesn't it? But is there anything else that's been been tried up to that point? Yeah, I I, I did I did have physiotherapy, um, but it would be um, it would be NHS based um, because again back in them days I wouldn't have thought of seeking out a person who's very specific in chronic back pain. I just went with the flow. As most patients would do, sure. it's trust. You sure. just go with the flow. Um, so I would have had um, uh, physio, and you know, again, not not wishing to bash anybody, they probably would have been doing a fantastic job. But I do remember the very, the very basic assessment of me at the time. Again, knowing what I know now, and there weren't probably much conversation. It was a couple of tests, and I can remember, I, I still remember the tests were, you know, the typical straight leg raise. Um, this was before surgery and then after when I was deciding whether to have the second lot surgery. Sure. I probably, I was allocated six sessions. I think that's all you're allowed, six sessions. Probably been very quick. I probably didn't criticise it at the time because I thought that was probably a great service. Um, and as we'll come on to later, the, the effect that when physios themselves are, I suppose, burdened with a, you know, a conveyor belt of patients all day, you know, what do you expect? Um, and that weren't successful. I did every exercise that they asked me to do. And, and is that what it did entail? Is that what it did entail in terms of in terms of treatment? Was it was it? Um, specific exercise? Based? Yes, it was exercise. It was nothing nothing more and. Why wouldn't? Why would I be shocked that I weren't getting any health but exercise? If I'd have come out of there and not got any exercises to do, I'd have thought, well, what's a physio supposed to do? If he'd have sat or she'd have sat at the side of me and started talking about, you know, neuroplasticity and pain and, you know, chronic pain, how it develops and the fact that you might not have any physical injury, I probably would have walked out anyway. Right. Um, I tried. I've had chiropractor several times up until that point. And the chiropractors range from the um, uh, acupuncture to uh, you know the manual manipulation, and um, and I must have had you know six to ten sessions. Oh, I paid for it myself. Sure. Uh, again, none of it worked. So trying some of these other modalities. Uh, I almost did it as a tick box exercise, Jack, because right. I knew that if I later <coughs> went for surgery again, 
in my naivety thinking that surgery do everything they want tick all the boxes then when you go and speak to the surgeon he'll say yeah you've tried everything else you've had the medication well i'll look again at you um i'd have loved it if some of it did work but by then i was starting to think you know i'm still in pain every day i've had the surgery this does not feel right um running parallel with with them um active treatments that i'm trying i completely stripped my diet I saw advice from a nutritionist in, in America and I thought maybe I was starting to understand now about the lifestyle issues that might be linked to pain. Right. So I'm doing a little bit of <coughs> learning. So I, I went for various tests, you know, I, um, I had comprehensive profiles taken of my hormones, stool samples, blah, 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 which then led me up to probably where you're going to go next is when I first hit my, my first exposure to, to, to back experts. So I've had physio, I've had Kyra, completely changed my diet. Um, I, I thought I was doing the right exercises, although I'd got nobody to run it by because I'm on my own at the moment trying to do this myself. And again, I'm sure we'll come on to it later that you can't do it on your own. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's where um, obviously I, I wound it back um, just to make sure that we hadn't missed anything in that part. But you you then were in this, and it's a it's a great question that that lingered and where should I should I be exercising? If so, what should I be doing? Um, then going on this self seeking process to try to understand um, in the in the era of of being able to to do that at, at your fingertips, the the journey doesn't clean up or tidy up at that point, though, does it? So, so let's just go from there. What what did you encounter? Well, after that second operation in two thousand and fourteen, and I'd had my shoulder repaired, I'd kind of left Westminster Fire Service. Um, just before I I I locked into back specialists, um, I I sought help from the uh, mobility ward, the Kelly Starrett. Um, which you, I'm sure some of your, your listeners know of him and, and Mobility Ward. And I reached out to Mobility Ward and I was helped by one of the physios there, um, Dr. Roop Sihota. Um, so he, he worked with them and, and it was via Skype, obviously. So naively, again, you... you, you <laughs> He would have to assess me via Skype then to give me the prescription of what's the matter with him. Because at, at them early, in them early days, I self-diagnosed myself that uh, it's probably because you're very tight down below. Because you've been guarded and the way you've, you're, you're sitting and the way you're moving, um, that it's a, a biomechanical issue um, and you need to either unlock something or strengthen something right. I mean let's talk about psoas uh, let's talk about piriformis right. let's talk about gluteal inhibition let's talk about hamstrings um, so the faulty biomechanics yeah. on faulty structures we're yeah. at at this point yeah. yeah and this is the way I thought yeah fair enough so I've got the supple leopard and I'm going through it like a dose of salt and I've got the bands and I'm stretching and I'm doing all that and I think I'll tell you what I'll um I'll put my hand in my pocket and I'll, I'll actually get the experts to, to have a look. And before I know it, I'm, I'm doing banded 
exercises and I'm doing couch stretch for the you know uh, different parts of my body uh, I'm doing ankle because obviously I put two and two together that because I'd had so much surgery on that leg I've got limited mobility in the ankle and I, and I know I have and I know you've seen that, that my ankle my right ankle actually is very limited because of the various amounts of surgery I've had in it yeah well, so a, I thought I'd try and fix myself on the old uh, Kelly Storette stuff right so tried that for a while still in the same amount of pain my mobility was fabulous <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know I was a super leopard <laughs> right um, still in pain sure still in pain okay so I'm on to my next path and then I've come across the the great work of uh, Dr. Stuart McGill. Um, and I say great work because as a, as a patient, you know, it's almost as if you've you found the holy grail. Right. You know, the world-renowned back expert that perhaps could offer me some a glimmer of hope um, with, with this, this back pain. So I start looking at the videos and I uh, get more and more interested in some of the things that's been said. And I hook into these sort of the terminology around um, spine hygiene and um, flexion intolerant or flexion intolerance. And I thought, you know what, flexion intolerance, that, that's got to be me. Because every time I sat down, any time I was in flexion, it was very, very painful still. Right. So <laughs> it resonated with me. So from mobility ward to stability ward in the sense. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so what, what, what then, what was it about those things that were being said that felt different enough, but also still resonated with your self-perception at the time? And, and what, how much are you carrying into the consultations and how much is that coming from the model, the framework, the individuals within it? Which I know is hard to yeah. separate, but can you reflect uh, on that? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when it's not the label of, of who the person is, although to a certain extent, um, when, when you're in persistent pain, and I'll keep choosing the language here, but chronic pain, persistent no, pain, it's, it's the same thing, same thing sure. to me. You, you, want, you look for anything to, to get you out of it. Because by now, Jack, you've got to realise that pain, pain is having an impact on everything else in your life. I, I just retired from a, a career... In, in, as a Royal Marine and as a firefighter you, you want to kind of move on in your life and you're in the pain cave right you want to get out of it so you can crack on with your life um, so you're thinking yeah this this has just got the hallmarks of you know expert loads of science loads of research um, I might use the wrong word here but Godiva research right. it's been yeah, tested yeah. on things yeah um High-profile people, good results, blah de blah, and um, the, the the fact that if you straight-jacketed this this corset around your midriff, as in the the the, the TVA and um, the obliques and the erectors at the back, you know you've got this this corset. Yeah. If you can get that super super uh, stabilized, it'll stop little micro movements. And I thought, well, that's what it must be. It must be the fact that you know I'm I'm moving sloppily so if I can tidy it with spine hygiene and get it you know stabilized um walking sitting lifting it might get rid of my pain stop the micro movements that's what I wanted to do and so that that's what the core I, I, I actually 
use that. Did you just say core? <laughs> <laughs> the core message. I said TVA. I'm like the lay person patient, and and you say core. But I wasn't meaning core in that regard. I was actually meaning the core. You're gonna edit this, aren't you? <laughs> no, I don't want to edit that bit. Cause it's funny. It's a Freudian slip because I was meaning the core message within. Oh yeah, good one, Jack. <laughs> Sliding off it. Yeah, the, no, the core message within spinal hygiene was the reducing the micro, micro yeah, movement. Yeah. That's something just in case the our listenership aren't necessarily familiar with that. Can you describe what that meant to you then? What, 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 you, what, what did they mean by micro-movements? Micro-movements of what? Well, there's, there's the message at the time and there's, there's, a, there's a message now. Well, let me give you the message now. The message now was that it just brought total fear and, uh, you know, um, almost a, a reluctance to move normally. Right. Because you've got to keep so tight and so sharp on these uh, this, this spine hygiene. Back then it was, I'll do anything anything to, to yeah, stop it. So it meant to me back then, I know I keep flitting. No, 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 that's right. It, and, it, and it meant to me then, everything you do, from cleaning your teeth to getting off the toilet to, to uh, picking something up, whether that be a pencil or whether it be, you know, whatever, will, will now have to change. Life will have to change. You know, even the way you get out of bed and... Um, I do believe that we're perhaps going to be doing a video where I can show you some of this. Yeah, some of this is easier to model in yeah. video. So we're going to accompany it with some clips of... Because you've become a, a great actor of this because you've retained the movement patterns that you had. Yeah. Uh, these various stages, yeah. which I think we'll be able to demonstrate. And sure. I, uh, and again at that time, I was, I was also exposed to, via my own reading and my research, to, to DNS... The dynamic neuromuscular stabilization you, you're, yeah. you're obviously familiar with that yeah um and and i thought you know it, it's very similar to, to the dns stuff you know how, how the baby from birth then will go as you know on two or fours and then eventually it'll go into like crawling pattern to a bare movement then then stood up and i thought well this kind of makes sense here so yeah. i was almost thinking that I'm, and where we started the conversation is this this 16 year old Royal Marine and how that changed my life. You, you're almost talking to the converter. Who will you give me the exercise? I'll do it. Right. Yeah. And again, for your listeners, you know they they also have to be aware that some of their patients, particularly the ex-military type, these very, they, they come with a set of beliefs and a way of doing things that that perhaps are creating some of the issues, the pain issues. You know, for example. Um, this that that very disciplined, direct approach to uh, doing the exercises and and uh, searching for the answer might need to be unbroken a little bit. So mm. what whatever I was told to do, I'd do it and and a few more as well. You know. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so then we're in <clears throat> we're in the midst of it. You'd you'd found what you thought might be once again that this this felt even even stronger that it could well be the answer and you committed as you're describing in full and so what was what what was the sort of the the what was involved in that part of the journey how long did it go on for uh, what what was suggested within that because that's almost a chapter in, in itself yeah it? well you know I, I did reach out to professor mcgill and yeah very graciously um you know responded back to me and and uh, you know and and he, I, I would have liked to have seen uh, Stuart McGill. Uh, obviously, he was based in Canada, and it would be, be very difficult. But he, he offered me, um, he, he already recommended a, a, a name to me of, of, of somebody who, who practices his ways of working. 
and they was in London and um, yeah I I then reached out to that person in London and it involved me going down there and I went through the full uh, three hour it was about three hours assessment very comprehensive looked at all my uh, talk to me there was a, a, a for the first time Jack there was a long conversation yeah and I started to feel a lot better that you know this person was was, was listening to me um, we did a thorough assessment. I took my MRI. I'd already sent the MRI scans anyway. You, you could already see that, you know, what, what, what was portrayed in the MRI report. Um, and from that assessment then, it, it was then moving on to the stabilisation exercises and how this, this grooving, yeah, grooving patterns. Sure. I started to have to groove new motor patterns and these motor patterns were the stabilization exercises and they are the first the first uh, phase before you move on to um, you know the I suppose the ultimate back strength um, exercises you've got to groove these stabilization exercises. so grooving being you you're moving you're moving wrong for want of a better term and yeah. you need to embed New movement patterns, new motor behaviours that are correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and the um, I suppose the the what's the word the checkpoint for moving on to that is that you're pain free. So you don't move away from the stabilisation until the pain the pain is free. So you wait for something to settle down. Well, mine never settled down. So at this point, you're planking till your heart's content. Right? Well, it, it's not so much the, the, the plank. I mean, um, if, if anybody has not read it, it's, it's a very good book. I, I think it's a very good book. Um, again, depending on the reader, the reader's context that he puts to that book, is the back mechanic. Um, and it shows you these exercises. You can go on YouTube videos. There are lots of alternatives to uh, them exercises as well. So... Uh, you, you, and you build it, you build it up, and you build up using techniques such as like a Russian pyramid, where you're you, you drop in the, um, the the intensity, you know, on the old fit fit model. Yeah. Um, you, you, yeah. You're building up endurance because, in terms of the uh, fast twitch, slow twitch, you're looking for endurance. It's not straight power, and you need the endurance for guess what, for the spine hygiene all day. Don't you? So yeah. you, you're being asked to, to build up endurance. All makes absolute perfect sense at the time. Right. Perfect sense. And I, I build up and build up, and I, I regularly go and see, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the guy in London, and um, I'm passing all the checkpoints with honours. You know, if it was like gold star time, you know, I'd be full of them. I, you know, like you go into McDonald's and you see the old... I'd have like three badges full of stars. <coughs> yeah, I was that good. Did um, that feed? Did that? Just out of interest, did that feed into your military and firefighter, the the, the military man and the firefighter in you, in a sense that um, you were a, a, a hitting checkpoints and acquiring sort of respected milestones of a sorts that then potentially you felt like you were on a journey towards yeah. the unlocking this problem. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because. Um, in terms of the feel good factor from I'm doing this myself I'm doing it on my own I'm achieving I've not fallen back into 
I've got a morphine patch on my arm. I'm not going to get up. I'm just going to lie in bed. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. I can never exercise again. You know, I have lost the will to live. So I was starting to think, you know what, I might, I, might, I might be able to get my life back here. I might be able to, to move forward in life. So I, whilst I could see that I uh, was achieving the milestones, um, I've got to say this joke again, Jack, because I said it to you before. <laughs> you know the scene from Rocky Three. Yeah. So Rocky Three, you've got Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa. They're sprinting on the... Yeah. Yeah. And you look at Sylvester Stallone. He's looking tremendous, his abs, isn't he? Yeah. That's how I looked. Yeah. You know, I was like... Because oh. don't forget my diet now. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, totally reform that. But I didn't give a monkey's because I was still in pain. It still hurt. It still hurt, yeah. So as I progressed then, um, I decided that I would... I've, I've passed my checkpoints myself. I'm still in pain, but I, I need to build it up. I need to do more exercise, but I need to kind of move it forward now because my my brain and my body is saying that uh, it's not making it any worse, but I've still got it, so I want to do more. So I started to do more exercises um, uh, under his guidance and um, yeah I started then to be able to push things so you you told me at that point you said that from what I recall and you can correct me if I'm wrong here you you tell this funny story where you demonstrated your bird dog exercise at one of your appointments so that down in London as well and and they said that is what did they say the best the best bird dog we've ever seen Um, and he went and fetched someone else to come and yeah yeah Uh, so they were admiring that and they were sort of thinking that though the rules were that these things needed to be pain free in order to move on you were at such a standard that they thought so they they, they sort of bent the rules a little bit did they at that point yeah and I I think a lot of that is to do with this test of you know before you move on to the to the to the next phase is that you you know you you've got to demonstrate that you've built up sufficient endurance and once you have built up, and I've seen this on other providers of, um, you know, kind of fix your own back physios, particularly in America. I don't know if you follow any of them, but they, they use the same sort of checkpoint uh, measurement, um, you know, what gets measured. Um, and you've got the curl up, the bird dog, and um, for the obliques. Come back to it in a minute. Yeah, no bother. But the, there's the three main exercises, and you, you you've got to pass the test before you kind of move on to, to the next phase. They they all use it, um, but again, yeah, it, it was well. What what if I passed it and I'm still in pain? And I, at the time, I, I couldn't come to terms with that. Did they did, did that appear to confuse them too at all? Or I'm just uh, trying to work out how you know. Can you bring us into that room a little bit so that you were. You, you were surprised, you're demonstrating their milestones, you're telling them that it still hurts. Were they squaring that circle at all, or were they yeah, scratching that? Yeah, and again, this is, this is going back to my old world, my old world, which was when, when they've looked at my MRI scan, the language is such that yours is a really well-worn back. Your back's done a lot. Right. This okay. is the language that's been portrayed to me. <coughs> Your back is already self-fusing at L4, L5 because the disc space is so narrow. 
So the, the, the link was, well, you got a really bad back. So they were suggesting there's an upper limit to what these yeah. things can achieve. You might always have it. Right, okay. But okay. at no point then, um, and again, any, anybody in the medical profession that I was exposed to, no, nobody ever explained to me about pain. What, what pain? I mean, naively, pain... I whack my finger, you know, with a hammer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in pain. Well, that's the only type of pain, isn't it? You know, I ha I have a headache. I'm in pain. Um, I've got back pain. It's all the same pain, isn't it? Sure. So as a concept, you 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 felt it wasn't, you hadn't ever thought of it as being something broad, no. something complex. Why Why would I want to know anything else about pain besides, <coughs> you know, look at that disc. Look, look, look at the degenerative changes. <coughs> Look at the changes on the facet joints. Look at that bulge that's that's going into the you know the dura and it's touching this and, and then the nerve blood. We've we've operated on you. It's created scar tissue. What do you expect? Um, okay. So I just had a very gloomy picture painted about my back, and I associated the fact that that's why you're still hurting, but it won't stop me moving on to the next phase. And the next phase is uh, you can do some more exercises. But the dilemma was, what exercise and what's my prescription, how much can I do? Okay. I, I've searched wide for that, that answer, you know. Um, but what I was starting to come to terms with is, you know, the, there's a link to the brain on pain. I started to do some research on that. Pain might come from the brain. So then that took me on to looking at the work of the neuroplastics guys, Michael Moscovich and the Norman Deutsch, the brain that changed itself. Yeah. They were some of my early um, go-to texts, particularly the, the book, and going on to the website, which started to look at um, chronic pain and the association of of. Of, of the brain and all these different parts of the brain um, so the pleasure circuits and the pain circuits they're, they're all the same sort of thing I mean I'm, I'm explaining it to you as if no, no, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. did you did you come across that stuff just from you know I'm just wondering if these chapters are distinct which of course I know that they're not directly but I mean when you had this you're in this process where the McGill based stability work is, is not yielding results did, was there a was there a moment where you were like, well, that that needs to now be filed under failed interventions? Although, like you've admitted, it certainly it certainly moved you on from the like you said morphine patch in bed. It sort of made you feel like you were engaging more actively in a process, but then you were realizing it wasn't yielding the results. Yeah, yeah. in terms of the the what I've come to be known as self-efficacy for me as a person. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it really did help me. Yeah, yeah. It, because what what it did was it, it it got me into moving, and knowing that it was okay to move. Now whether it's called stabilization exercise or what whatever, it 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 brought me on. It it took me from the the dark place, the yeah. pain cave, into well you're still in the pain cave, but I tell you what, there's a way of getting out of it. You're doing something. You're doing yeah. something. Okay. So you know I can only thank that that first stage of my, yeah. my my movement and I think at the time as you as you you know you're looking at different videos uh, uh, on on 
on um, back back pain. I certainly I certainly like to compare and contrast experts. This is this is what I'm about, you know. If yeah, I sure. to say yeah, one yeah. of my strengths is, if Jack Chew has got a particular view on so and so, and and that's what led me to you anyway. Where I want someone who's got a different view to that, and then what I'm doing is I'm going to compare and contrast three or four experts to see if they've got any consensus on an issue. And if they've got consensus, I think that pretty much makes sense to me. Okay. So then I started to notice that two or three individuals around the world were all singing off the same hymn sheet about chronic pain, persistent pain. And, you know, you know Sullivan's, we've got the Neu Group. Yeah. Uh, people in Australia. Uh, we're all talking about this, um, some were talking about this this uh, CFT model. Uh, yeah, the cognitive functional, cognitive therapy. functional therapy model. Peter um, Sullivan's yeah. work, yeah. Um, and the David Butler, stroke Professor Lorimer Mosley were, were talking about the same sort of thing, but they, they was explaining in, in, in a, I always call it the Janet and John method, you right. know quite simple to understand sure and and it talked about the, the pain uh, the, the, the brain in pain which would have led me to the um, Norman Deutsch and the neuroplastics uh, website Michael yeah. Moscovich yeah. and I started to get really into neuroplasticity okay. I tried to kind of un, un really go into that big style to see you know the brain created pain it can also undo it through neuroplasticity. And this is the first time you've zoomed away from the back. Yeah, I've zoomed away from the back. And I started to... Uh, I wanted to put a link between the two. I wanted to try and see where I've been injured. Right. It might be sensitised. So why is the signal still being sent up to the brain and the brain's going, you know, alarm, 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 pain, pain, pain. Is it an exercise I'm still doing that's triggering it? Is it my thoughts... Is it a memory? Why is it that every time I sit in my car, the pain was worse? Oh, is that anything to do with because some of the most horrendous pain I had for about six months was when I was in flexion sitting down? Might be. Um, so, smells, uh, sights, sounds, what have they got to do with pain? Well, as I later found out, they've got quite a lot to do with pain. Yeah. Um, I also, at that time, discovered a um, great website, Brain HQ, which is, is the brain games. Um, and again, if some of your listeners have never heard of Brain HQ, I go on there daily. And it was a way of using different parts of your brain now to, um, you might say the distraction activities, but equally they are, they're reinforcing some of the old pathways that are probably lost. You know, okay. while you, you know, you, you sit and feeling sorry for yourself, etc. And then start to do pleasurable activities as well. So at that time, I probably would have been reminded that hey, you, you don't go out anymore. You don't. You don't. You're not doing anything. All you're doing is whinging and moaning and talking about pain. Nobody wants to listen anymore. So I'm starting to like really change a lot of how I approach pain, as well as all this, this, this looking for stuff. Um, I made contact with some a physio who deals with CFT uh, and they was in Birmingham Sarah, Sarah Duncton sure it's Sarah Duncton and she she'd been trained in CFT in the approach I thought I'll try a bit of this CFT right. 
Right. So I went to Birmingham, and that was in 2016. She was good in the sense of, and the conversation went something like this. She'd already spotted, even when I was in reception, I didn't know. She was clocking how I was sitting. Because when I went in and we, we started the conversation, she was like really stripping me about, oh, why are you sat like that? And, and I was sat like in the old regimented, you know, spine hygiene, sitting right. up straight. <coughs> yeah, so you're both up right yeah. at this point. And then she starts to say, well, why are you sat like that? Well, I, well no, I need to kind of, spine hygiene, I need to reinforce this. She said, stand up. So I stood up. She says, right, just flop forward and just let yourself go. Let it all go. I thought, this is a good physio session, this is. Uh, so I flopped <laughs> forward. She says, how does it feel? I said, feels great. So why don't you do it more often then? I thought, I don't know. Because I've been taught to, to move in a specific way. Sure. Because it might be a pain trigger, spine hygiene. Anyway, you know the approach that she was trying to she was trying to teach me. She was, so these, she was losing so, the guarded approach. Sure. <clears throat> so the shackles started to come, come off, off your movement. Yeah. Right? So you started to then not be moving in as, as, as rigid a way and, and started to then re, reconceptualise what, what movement could be and, and re, starting to redefine ways in which you'd, you'd move. What, what, did that then, what did that then lead you towards in pursuit of... At that point, was there then... Are we still in a situation where what you worked on there um, with, with that physiotherapist under a CFT guise, was that another, this might be the, the chapter? Yeah, silver bullet. Yeah. So, so we're still in a sense, it's still, wow, okay, this journey's got a new chapter here, but it's, the, could this be the silver bullet where if I regulate my breathing better and relax my spinal yeah, movement? Yeah. So, so it, do, it does still... Um, fit within that at this point it's not yet bringing it all together no no because there's other pieces of the jigsaw puzzle around this so I'm, I'm into the CFT it's the first time I've heard of this biopsychosocial I thought everything was based on a, a biological a medical issue um, running parallel with the CFT um, approach that I've started to kind of get into I've obviously looked at um, the O'Sullivan um, videos yeah um, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing patients that have had successes from it and of course whenever you see these patients who they've, they've read the book and they've suddenly got better or they've had one exposure to one session with Peter O'Sullivan and, 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 and I thought it just don't work like that it can't work like that you know um, so did that frustrate you at the time? it did frustrate me yeah because I, you know I, 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 I you see people turning up to a seminar and then you see the big uh, um, evangelistic type of, you know, right, so-and-so's going to come on to the and, right, bend forward and, and, you know, they have a quick 20-minute session and then suddenly they, they're all better. Right, yeah. I thought, oh, you can't work like that. You can't work like that. So my mindset at that time was still one of, my back's knackered and I probably am going to end up having my back fused. I'm still looking for spinal fusion because I'm still in so much pain all the time every day, even though I'm trying all this. So, you know, I'm looking at, shall I go back to the surgeon and, and see, ask, beg, will you fuse my spine? I go and I attend an explained pain course because I've latched on to the, this, this simple way of explaining pain. Right. I'm thinking, shit, why didn't someone... 
why did someone explain to me yeah. pain in this way when I first started on my journey? Did it get rid of my pain? No, but what it started to do is, is, de- is develop, one, my understanding and my confidence to think, do you know what? It might not be so bad down there. This might be a duff signal that's been sent. And therefore, whilst you've probably got to accept that there is a level of pain, it does not stop you doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I attended uh, one of Professor McGill's courses, uh, the Building the Ultimate Back and Rehabilitation to Performance course. That's a two-day course. So again, I, I was able to go and, and listen to Professor McGill. And, but that really was a step back to how I was. It weren't in my progression to, to where I am now. Um, I was I was on a an energy blueprint course, which is an American course, and it, and it really takes you through. It's about eight weeks. It's online. And it's a way of uh, basically ensuring you've got more energy. So it, it's diet, it's sleep, it's it's mitochondria health, it's you know exposure to red light, it's all the really good health habits. Uh, because again, I, I'm leaving no stone stone unturned here. You so know, again, I, you're going through the menu. You're making I'm sure that the menu. you've tried to do You know, my diet was it had gone from almost like an autoimmune diet. To, to I suppose a, a paleo-ish type, type right. diet and I'm still on it and which whether I'm in pain or not that's that's really how that suits you it yeah. suits me yeah okay. um, I've then seen an advertisement for a local chiropractor uh, I hope your listeners are laughing now because thinking what the hell what planet is this guy on <laughs> so uh, you've got Lord yeah. you're looking for an advert should write a book I'm sure we could help chiropractor that. So I see the chiropractor advertisement, local chiropractor, and and it was for, for a new treatment where there's some kind of rig, some setup, which is um, I've all, always been into exercises that um, retract the spine. You know, this thought of if I could retract my spine and create space, so yeah. it's compressed and yeah. it needs to be decompressed. Decompressed, yeah, and I thought. Hanging off a bar, you know, get the old inversion yeah. boots and try some of that. But anyway, this was slightly different where it was, you're in a rig and it, and it did it. And is so it I, the what, IDD? Is it called that? I don't it's called. Like traction, it is a traction thing, yeah. I think yeah. I've, I've seen it advertised. Yeah. So I, I go along for the consultation and you have to have a, um, uh, an x-ray. So did the x-ray and the x-ray. And then what happens is, is superimposed on the x-ray is like... Um, uh, A line that should show your posture correctly and a line showing where you actually are. So it's inferring that right, okay. because of your posture, you've got the back pain. That's what it's saying. Mm. Um, and what the rig can do, what this traction or whatever it's called, after 36 sessions at whatever price, it'll get your posture back. And right. that will, uh, and it'll work. Right. <laughs> That's, this, that's the unique selling point. Um, yeah. So I go along rigorously three times a week, yeah, and have all the treatment, high expectations. Yeah. Yeah, high. I just want to be out of pain. And um, running parallel with that, I'm still doing all my exercise and I'm still kind of hunting down and... And, and, doing, and you're doing learning things. simultaneously. I'm learning. This is, this is the interesting bit, I suppose, in this. It's where we have got this overlap, haven't we, between... Um, what you've 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 
considered a more enlightened sort of approach to the holistic things. But there's also this this period of overlap now where you you're still in a situation where fundamentally the like you say pursuing structural curative models while still understanding nothing had necessarily changed your mind sufficiently to not be trying these men, you know going yeah. through the menu yeah and um and, and so that that's that's interesting can i before i before i forget to ask how much money do you think you've spent on this hmm. well that that session alone was a thousand pound right that's just on that chiropractor yeah i mean to see people like the mobility wad people you know it was probably a couple of hundred quid per session um, yeah. doing, it's even it's even London. books traveling to London. I mean, the sessions down there were per hour for hundred and fifty pound per hour. Then you got your train journeys. Um, I, I don't really count, you know, the, the changes I had to make to my diet and food, etc. But sure. it, it, it's been thousands, Jack, to answer the question and. Uh, I suppose this the the message that will come maybe come out at the end of this conversation is is that you know the price that a patient would be willing to pay to be pain free would would be I'll do anything and I still will do anything to be pain free and and this is where trust and you know sitting in front of the the right person who can offer you this advice and help um, can alleviate a lot of of what I've been through and and what I've I've been exposed to and nobody's at fault from it. But it would have saved me money, it would have saved me time, and it would have saved me a lot of worry. And people should not put, um, you know, as a selling point that this will fix you and this is the treatment that you should be doing. Where did they back, how did they back that up? Right, yeah. You know, how do you triangulate things like that? And I'm lucky. Um, I sit on a self-management patient referral group. It's it's for six weeks, and it's it's for people who suffer from long-term pain and chronic conditions. And there's eighteen on the course. I go every Wednesday, and you get your people there with COPD, fibromyalgia, all these other conditions, arthritis, back pain, and things like that. And uh, you know, I look around the room, and these are in the system, the passive system. So blindly, the chiropractor, blindly whoever. Um, they're following these treatments and the, it's them sort of people that, that um, the, the hard to do pile the really hard to that will believe you're telling me I will believe I used to believe and I used to be that person yeah. not anymore thankfully but yeah. it, again going back to answer your question it's cost me a bloody lot of money mm, absolutely now when it when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the so hopefully we've, we've covered that we've bridged that gap I want to know what the situation is for how how did you come across us me what 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 was that because I can imagine that how it might happen it doesn't take many degrees of separation between some of the circles that you're deciding to read within um, but I'm I'm interested in, I'm interested in that and I'm interested in we can speak totally openly about this and I and I'd reflect heavily on it is that did, did well let's just start with that how did you find us. Um, I would have latched on to people on Twitter who, who one, talking about back pain and two, um, talking about, I suppose, musculoskeletal issues linked to, to the back. Um, I was on the lookout for progressive people who 
I suppose would challenge the, the established way of doing things. Um, so they were clearly people who would, would be following the CFT, would be following the um, Lorimer Mosley, would be um, looking at some of the new ways of thinking around the, these subjects. And, and you can see that they're out there. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Ben McCormack, um, and uh, I did actually attend one of his courses, the right. course I attended, uh, <coughs> because I seen that he was talking about um, functional therapeutic movement. So this unanswered question, what's the best exercise for back pain? So I kind of latched on to his work. He's done all the research. You don't have to do it. He just gets all the research, and, 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 he, and he puts it there and apply it. Um, and... Somewhere in the ether, then I probably would have started listening to your podcast. Okay. So, was there a pod- gateway podcast? Do you recall? There was or? a gateway podcast. There was two, and and the first one, obviously, Greg Lehman, and particularly because he was a graduate from uh, Stuart McGill. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I saw the link, and I thought, well, if anybody would be able to reconcile his word yeah. isn't it yeah. and he would then have a big view i know on flexion okay because uh, that was one of my un- unanswered things you know should i be flexion should i be doing flexion exercises uh you know he, he i'm sure he'd have a view so he took me down a bit of a path and i listened to his podcast and i think he did two did he do two podcasts happened since yeah. yeah and then your podcast obviously from your experience with the back right okay um, and it, it was just it was refreshing to listen to to a, a story of an individual who'd been down the same path that me and other sufferers of, of chronic back pain and I, and I appreciate that yours wasn't chronic pain yours was acute sure. I dare say that it's yeah. it's settled down a bit yeah. Um, but it, it was just refreshing to listen to a physio's approach to how the journey went for him, and particularly the person who did the interview was 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 able to to unpick and just go a little bit deeper, just like you're doing with me today. So that led me to you, um, and again, you kind of hit all the hallmarks of well, that's the sort of physio that I perhaps need to to speak to. Um, one, I'd got confidence in what you were saying. Two, nothing to do with the fact that you talk a lot, but it, it was uh, <laughs> it, it it was going in the direction that I'd already taken everything anyway, and that I needed I needed someone to challenge me in what I was thinking and doing. I needed that challenge, the robust challenge of someone who'd got the horsepower to to say, well, "Why are you doing that?" or Stop doing that and take this approach. Okay. And yeah, we met up and you kindly, um, yeah, help, started to help me out. It was about five, four, five months ago. Uh, I, bet it's, I bet it's nearly six, yeah, you know, now. six months. It's December. Crazy, isn't it? December yeah, it's last beginning year. of December, wasn't it? One of the things that I was conscious of at the time, and, and, and uh, 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 to, to your memory too, was that I immediately, when, when hearing parts of your story on email, and then I was conscious to not be another chapter, another another person that overpromised and underdelivered. And you'd encountered the the products of the of, of the podcast and the the company and, and what we're trying to stand for. But I was very conscious of that. Now, 
I want you to be be totally honest in in saying that whilst an ongoing journey together on this part, but did I did I end up or have we succumbed to that? And if if not, then then what's different? And this isn't me trying to get you to fill an advert. Be as be as open as honest as you as you can be. It it did reinforce to me some of my own thought process, my own beliefs. Uh, and again, I think I said this earlier, and, and you, you you must have come across this in patience, and certainly your listeners will, in, in, in terms of like the storytelling that a patient will do continuously about what's happening to them. And you, you immediately debunked some of the thoughts I was having around pain. Um, and I remember I was explaining to you that, and this is probably not in the first meeting, this is probably a little bit later. Sure. It, it, it had come to about the January, and after all I've been trying, I was still really struggling with pain every day, relentless. Um, but still trying to do, do stuff and not, not give in to it. But I was struggling to the point where I had to go back to the doctors and 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 suddenly say to a to a GP, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I've tried everything, and almost waving the flag. So a doctor say, Oh well, what we'll do is we'll send you back to a surgeon, and uh, see what they say. Even that, even though I knew, because again I done my research and I'd read quite a few books on surgical outcomes for spinal fusion, including the percentage of success, it makes it worse or no change. Uh, I'd read the work of David Hanscom, the, um, he's an American surgeon, uh, and he, he wrote a good book, Back in Control. So I, I, I kind of knew that you, you just, you're going down the same path again. But what happened from that conversation then was two things. I suddenly get offered help from about three, three or four other sources uh, to help me um, deal with this pain. The term that I now now call a strong therapeutic alliance, which to me means that I've got other people helping me, this person in pain. Second thing, I was offered an MRI scan. And again, my new learning was, <laughs> quite rightly, don't have an MRI scan, no need, unless it's a red flag issue. And he offered it to me, and I thought, I'm gonna take this MRI scan, because I think that it's got better. I think that the, whatever damage was down there, as in the bulge or prolapse that's impinging on the nerve and all that sort of thing, I, I actually think some of the exercise that I've been doing, and I was doing loads by then, uh, including the wonderful Jefferson Curl, uh, I'm following a gymnastics program online, so I'm doing loads of undoing stuff. You're enjoying it. I'm enjoying that it. Time. I was really into it, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I remember you saying to me at that point, sorry to interject, but it was like, I remember you um, asking whether I thought it was a good idea, and and... I definitely you you were looking to see you thought you felt it would be a useful debunking exercise in a yeah, sense. I remember you, you sent absolutely. me a message saying that, that this was I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And uh, and I remember thinking this is this is a very different framing of of why to have a scan. 
Yeah. And so, uh, and also, just uh, the, the your visit to the to the GP in January, um, you you played you laid the cards on the table and, and were were asking for help not just in a in a medical sense as well. Yeah. And it's like, did was that the first time that you'd reached out to say the medical world to say I can tell that some of these things are bigger than structures yeah. they're affecting my yeah. emotions my mood absolutely. things like that and anxieties yeah, absolutely and, and again this is the reason why I'm sat here because when a patient like me sits in front of a physiotherapist like like you or your listeners is we is this going beyond the competencies of me as a physiotherapist to help this individual this individual is Adrian McGregor at the moment talking about chronic pain because he's talking about he can't sleep he's talking about that he's just mood there's something, there's something not quite right here anxiety raging but I've got back pain but I've got terrible anxiety um, I was okay because I know all the alarm signals I know the alerts what pain does to you I'm very fortunate I've done my, I've done my homework so it's, it's understanding what this all means and how can it be worked out. And quite rightly, you go to your GP and um, yeah, on this occasion, I got, I got quite a lot of help, which, which I'm still having now. I mean, I even got referred, because I've been in the military, the military um, helped me out. And they've got, a, 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 um, for current veterans and uh, people's, um, yeah, current people who are serving and veterans, it's the Veterans Mental Health Transition Intervention and Liaison Team. And they were put in touch with me. And I had meetings with them and they, they helped me out. So I've gone from, oh, I can sort this out myself. Oh, I used to be in the Royal Marines and you know, I, can, I can do anything too. <laughs> Just, I can't do it on my own anymore. Right. But what you did, and we're answering your question now, is, is that you well challenge that decision or you, you uh, that one you provide reassurance that no, I think this is a really good idea this is and we, we got the MRI scan and we, we both looked at it because now my knowledge has grown so much that we could even look at our MRI scans and see if it's all right um, so not, not really inter interested in the report findings but also what we did we compared and contrast uh, 2014 MRI um, to, to this current one and we both both noticed that we'd got improvements at, at L5-S1 where the bulge had retracted quite a lot so the actual the, the, the space that it was impinging on thinking yeah. I'd have already had surgery on it twice was all reduced and I remember like almost couldn't wait to email and say are you seeing what I'm seeing here? This looks better We went through it, When we went through it together um, we were both sort of tickled by the idea that it was it was now seeing something that had structurally improved, but the symptoms hadn't changed. In order to almost by both levels, then from from saying it, things things might have, uh, might structurally worsen and go unchanged, and things can structurally improve and yeah. technically and, and go unchanged was another another nail in the coffin of it being a very narrow structurally focused. Yeah, the thing. fear the fear dropped. Right. Yeah. So. The fear, the uh, emotional uh, baggage on, you know, my back is getting worse and it's only going to lead one way to, you know, more pain, disability, you know, 
what's the point in carrying on? How risky a how risky a tactic do you feel that was by between the two of us? Because had that shown, let's I mean let's say I, I mean I just didn't didn't anticipate it, but it could have shown a subtle decrease in in uh, or sort of subtle increase in athletic changes or dispace or whatever it might be. A decrease in dispersed, sorry. But let's say it had shown that, sort of a 20% step change since your first scan or what have you. Were we towing a, a narrow line there, which could have then been a negative? Or was it something that we could have together put that into its appropriate context and still benefited from that process? How risky yeah, do you feel that move was? It was risky, yeah. It was risky because if, you, if you're in a place, in a dark place... You know, the last thing you want is, is is another bad news, another piece of bad news about your, your structural problem in your back because what, what it does is you think, oh, I, I just started to believe about this mind-body connection and that, you know, the brain plays an important role in, in all yeah. this and explain pain and, and, and supercharged. I've read it twice, supercharged, and I'm quite happy with the um, key concepts of, of how this should work and what it really is. Oh, it must be a load of rubbish, look, because it's a structural issue. Right, so um, you feel you, you think it could well have sucked you back in? It could have sucked me back in, yeah. Okay. And at that yeah. time and the place, I'd kind of really started to believe in the mind-body connection, and um, I, I think it was a little bit risky. But having you on board then um, just reinforced what I was hoping for, that whatever I was doing some of the exercises that maybe we can show yeah we will definitely yeah. as, as it's a confidence issue and it's um, it's uh, it's part of that self-efficacy I talked about before is that you believe you, you, you do believe that you're on the right path here and it, it's a um, highly sensitized uh, system that's keeping that pain pain up so going back to what sort of jobs I've done before as, as a war marine, as a firefighter, I've been in a heavily adrenalized um, environment. Uh, um, I've almost lived in sympathetic mode for a long time. Right. So it, it's elevated, isn't it? I, I've been ready for the fight all the time. Uh, and been successful know, within been that successful. as well. I've it? lived with a pager. Forced the, it, hasn't it? Lived with a pager at the side of my bed, you know, for 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 you know, fifteen fifteen years, you know, and mm. and, and being tipped out to emergencies, and 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 I've witnessed and and been exposed to to a lot. It's not a big issue. I don't want a medal. Uh, you know, that's life. You get on with it. But the point I'm trying to make is, I've lived in sympathetic mode. I don't even I don't even recognise parasympathetic mode. <laughs> yeah. never been I, that I guy no yeah. I've never been that guy it's like okay. you know I've done them email so now what was, what's the next job <coughs> so yeah. then when you start to understand that it might be something to do with that that you're in pain and then you associate the fact that your back looks okay now on an MRI scan yeah. you're back to the old uh, as a physio are you brave enough to tell me as a patient it, it, it's not a physical issue be prepared for this it's not a physical issue it's a or whatever word you want to use. It's in your brain. It's a mental issue. It's a stress-induced issue. It's anxiety. It's depression. It's something else. That's There might be some sensitivity down there, and that might be central sensitivity, uh, sensitization. But the MRI and everything else is saying, you know, 
it's not an issue. So I remember that conversation well between us, and obviously it's one that I have with such a wide variety of people, but you mentioned at the start when you were telling your story, it's like, what what was it? I mean, there's a few things, and one I accept being the, the journey you'd been on, but what was it that stopped you, let's say, obviously jokingly, but what stopped you swinging for me or, or showing me the door when... I brought those those things forward as saying this is a, a complex mosaic of different things rather than a thing. What 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 stopped I'm trying to work out what it was that then brought these things together. Uh, I think the triangulation of many many pieces of evidence I suppose, you know, right. not not just the experts but I kind of already done my homework really and and um well, I'm forgetting the, the girl's name, the, the, the American firefighter, Gillette, is it Gillette? Belton, yeah. 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 And looking towards people like her, although we've got certain similarities that we were both firefighters and both had to leave because of, of injuries. Yeah. Um, the homework's already done for you, really. Uh, these sort of people, right. the Gillette type person. So the signposting It's already there. Helped. Now yeah. it's, you choose to believe okay. and go down that path. So I'd already triangulated you. Know, and whatever you were saying to me, it was like in hope that Jack says this, because then it reinforces everything I believe. But it, it turned out fine um, because you know, I genuinely believe that, that that is the reason why I am still in pain. You know, if somebody said to me, Adrian, why 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 are you still in so much pain? I think in a you know, in a in a in a very brief on a page, I can say, This is why I'm still in pain. Do you think you'll ever be out of pain? I think I could respond to that and say, This is the reason why I will be in pain or I won't be in pain. And and it's as much simplistic way of explaining that or science that you want, but it's not about me, it's about how how can your physiotherapist, how can your colleagues go through that same process when they're, oh, I'm, I'm just a physio and, 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 and you know, I'd rather stick to the tried and tested biological issues. I know a little bit about pain because we did like half an hour at uh, physio, um, in our physio training, but to be honest, the, the future, future role of a physio, <laughs> it, it has to start with one listening a lot and then moving on to you know, it's gone beyond the tissue repair phase. Now let me try and explain so you can understand, so you can develop your own active ways of dealing with this while you're still in pain. And me as a physio, along with these other people in our um, therapeutic alliance, help the Adrian McGregor's or whichever patient is. And it doesn't matter if it's back, it could be anything. And I think that that's a useful thing for us to, to at least I've got some more questions, but at least finish the story part of this is that it's it's interesting that we're not gonna we're not bringing this out to then come to a punchline of saying and then here I am sat here pain yes. free or pain free. so fundamentally it's it's about your understanding of it but it's worth probably mentioning to the to the audience about just the significance of the functional level that you have scaled to so you regularly play walking football walking engage football, with yeah. squash done a triathlon yeah so your do you feel that your ability and function is contained in that way by your symptoms anymore yeah i i, 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 I sometimes think there's nothing i can't do um i, I i've got a uh, a mindset of, of 
turn up. So whatever the event, I like to be able to turn up and do it. So the turn up mentality, if you used to say, <coughs> Adrian, after this podcast, we're going to go for a five mile run. Well, I, I feel like I've, I've done my bit so I can turn up and do that five yeah. mile run. If we went to the gym now and said, well, we're going to do some, <coughs> some squatting or a quick, you know, uh, high intensity interval training, I'll turn up, I can do it. I'm, I'm, I'm geared up, I'm ready. Sure. Um, yeah, you've, you mentioned about walking football, and again, for, for your listeners, if, if it's, it's for people over 50, but walking football's helped me out so much, really, because it, 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 I love football and it got me playing football again. And, and there's loads of clubs around the country. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a low level dose of football, but it's hard. It, it's, it's a CV workout. It, it ticks all the boxes, but I tell you what, it's a great social environment. And, uh, you know, get to your local club, get on the website. I, I know that there's a, there's a European Championships next year and there's a World Cup the year after. So walking football's helped me out. Triathlon, yeah, again, they're, they're things I thought I'd never be able to do. And um, I'm a gym bunny. I'm, I'm following the gymnastic online program. Um, gymnastic bodies uh, which again has helped me with my flexibility so to answer the question yeah this I'm still in pain do I work through the pain to, to exercise I've thought about that myself in other words do, uh, because I'm, I'm so active am I making it worse it's a typical scenario. Yeah. We've had these discussions. Oh, big time, yeah. That uh, well, that's so then, recently. But again, while you, one of your jobs was to, you, you said, you reinforce, you can't be making it any worse. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do some of the things you're doing. And also, it would show up as, as a flag. Either that be a red flag or what other colour flag. Um, but it's not. Yeah, your, your symptom behaviour, I think that's one of the terms that we, we used was your symptom behaviour didn't suggest that that it would be something that you're doing yourself mischief with, with yeah. these things. And so there were various different jigsaw pieces that came into play that, that, that helped with that for sure. And did we ever, and did I ever, I keep using this weird like I'm copping out, but did I ever succumb to, to being another confusing voice within the machine? Because I, I want you to have space, even on this show, to, to tell me that and, and to confront me with... My mistakes. Uh, no, no, well, the answer is no. Uh, I, I was fortunate that you'd been through a similar episode yourself, so you, you could understand. Um, but you, you, you didn't take me down any blind alleys. Um, you, you didn't confuse me. I, I, I wasn't confused, thinking, oh, he's giving me a mixed message here. Do, do, is he? Does he think that's a good idea, that particular exercise or not? I'm, I'm, I think I'm going back to your, and I find this quite useful. You try to unbreak some of my chains of very mechanical, you know, the way I, I, I sit, bend, etc. And one, do exercise that you just enjoy. So it was reinforcing. It doesn't matter what exercise you do. It's something that makes you happy, gives you pleasure. But then even um, we, we did the, uh, and I'd not played squash before, but it didn't start off with squash. It started off with chalk on the wall, numbers, do a video, right, number one, and going for number one, and it was at different heights. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's probably a name for it. Um, yeah, and, and I started to do that in my garage. Uh, again, it's a, 
sounds like one of these Rocky films again, you know, where you start it and then the next thing you've got that great tracksuit on sprinting up the steps. Montage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, with all the, the kids following you running up the steps. But it's, it started off like that. Before then, I started to play squash. So it made total sense to... Um, the start of the journey was grooving a pattern. You took me on a on a journey of ungrooving the pattern, liberating your yeah, movement, liberating the movement. Which, yeah, I, I get that. That's that. That was more that, a bit of CFT, a bit of everything else. But it it was the prescription that I needed at the time, cool. and, and it's you could only do that by you you've not got the straight jacket where I, I work for the NHS as a physio and I've only got 20 minutes allocated to you and then I'm on to my next patient Ooh, and I've got another 15 in the day I'm not quite sure that person would be able to uh, he wouldn't be my go-to physio yeah. because he, they, they would not be able to to go into the levels that necessarily could help me and, and, and fix me you'd have to see me 50 times at 20 minutes a time um, it needed the complexity was that it needed a lot of um, alternate methods and, and a lot of listening okay because, no, we, because all patients are different and, I, and, yeah. I, and I'm some would say well no you're no you're not different from your average back back sufferer and it, it's it's a label that you know I, I don't don't really agree with you know because of the history of the person and again we're going back to where I started sure is is my, the exposure that I've had to life is going to be different maybe from from someone else and it's them bits that need to be factored into they call it the bio psycho social model I'm sure somebody owns that model I should, I should, I should keep saying it TM. yeah but there's certain that. parts of that that are more relevant yeah. to, to me than there would be someone else of course and, and that individualized approach is is certainly um what you, what you sound like what sounds like resonated with you with you most I want, I want to touch on that you've just said do you think that you are representative your story your experience is representative or is it an anomaly are we are we taking this narrow case and and suggesting that it's a, an interesting story for us to all learn from because I think that some people might listen in and, and one of the ways in which they could ignore it I hope they don't but one of the ways in which they could is just to suggest Oh, that's just a once in a blue moon occasion where mm. someone's had a tumultuous experience with the profession, with the industry at large, and they've had mixed messages, and that's not representative. Where's your what's your position on that? Well, I, I mentioned earlier, I sit on a self care management group of, of like minded uh, people with with uh, you know various conditions, and you know on this spectrum of um, you know self management self. Efficacy. These are right at the, the bottom end. Uh, but as I'm listening to them, they're no different from me. It's just that for some reason, they, they're willing to accept uh, a passive way of dealing with it and particular medication right. and particular around lack of exercise because of fear of, oh, I can't, I can't do it because it, it'll, it'll hurt me back or me more. So it's not in my case is not unusual. The, the unusualness of me is the approach that I've taken to find the solution. Yeah. Now I, you might say I'm an absolute rare beast. There's not many people that you come across that that's been willing to do this. Um, 
if you've got the finances and the time, you can do it. And hey, I retired, didn't I? So I ended up being retired and I've got a bit of time on my hands. Sure. Um, so circumstances. So circumstances dictate. But yeah, I, I would say it's not unusual and that, that, that many, many patients will will be experiencing and, and going through the same journey. It's just that how much willpower, you know, words like willpower, have they got to, to, um, to, to take a grip of it themselves and, and, and find out and question and, 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 and try things? Because eventually you get your breaking point. I mean, I had my breaking point a few, few months ago, even me, everything I've done to think, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a difficult situation, and then how do you pick yourself back up to think? Well, yeah, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up the day after, try something else. Sure. Um, so I don't think I'm an anomaly. It's just that my approach is is a rare. But so you but you will like, you do seem to accept the fact that this the the educational journey you've most recently gone on, which has helped you to that, that's going to help you help others, is the bit where. Your, your understanding now of neuroplasticity, your, your, the fact that you, you sit with me a few weeks back when we had a consultation and we're, we're discussing the Lancet papers and, and things yeah. like that, is that, you're accepting that that bit's the unique bit. It, it is, and uh, you know, if you didn't ask me, I'll tell you now. So give me one, one, one thing that you've learned throughout this whole journey that probably would have you know, made life a lot easier. And if somebody had sat down to me and explained to me about pain... <laughs> I, I wouldn't even be sat here with you now, Jack. No, no, yeah. Why didn't someone, and it, does it matter who? Could it be the GP? Could it be the person who, who went to see the consultant at chronic pain management? Yeah. Could it be the surgeon? Could it be the chiropractor? Could it be the physio? And do you know why I don't think they explained to me about pain? Because they weren't capable of explaining to me about pain. They probably knew a little bit, and they probably knew certain phrases and, and an old school way of thinking about pain. But they couldn't articulate about pain in the context of what's happened to me and, and the journey that I've been on and why I might still be in pain. Oh, and you're not an anomaly. Most people with persistent pain follow the same path. The only thing that deviates off in terms of the psychosocial model that the, there might have been more stresses in your life, which has led to the exacerbation of your conditions, etc. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to know the finite details of, about it. I, I'd rather know what, what's these other things that can alleviate it by not getting better sleep. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if somebody said to me two, two years ago, meditation will probably help you fix this, I'd have said, what planet are you on? Yeah. Sure. Sitting there for 10 minutes, just like tree hugging. But once you, know, you understood the context, those, yeah. those pieces came more in play. I remember that. I remember even even in the short time that we've been working together, that there were there were some things that could be that crept up on your radar when things got explained in a more thorough way. Yeah, it weren't like drops. weren't like anyone was shoehorning them in. No. It was like you were you brought them forward from the periphery because it's like oh that might be how that in, it incorporates. Yeah. And I remember that being an interesting. You know, if I reflect on my experience working with you, that was one of the things that was most interesting to me was that, you know, like. If, if someone held a gun to my head and said you've got to infer suggestions of a treatment plan that's actually quite rigid say someone insisted on me that I'd be a bit yeah. more dictating to you as to what we needed to do some of the things that I would have gone to if forced to 
I mean, with, with very little delay, got brought forward by, which was really interesting and, and, and um, for me to, to like realise that there'll be times where, uh, as you as you just I, I, I talk plenty, particularly in this context, and it's more that given chance those things could emerge and how much better they are if they emerge from understanding rather than to be dictated yeah, down so from yeah, a yeah. therapist. Yeah, absolutely. With, you were recently at the Big R's event in Birmingham as a delegate. What was your experience of the event, if you don't mind me asking? Because that was very much me with my interprofessional hat on. Yeah. Food was good. Food was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them were good. Is that the sort of thing you're interested in? <laughs> it can be. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting when they, they gave the introductions and, and somebody said, uh, you know, the, 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 the table of speakers, that they're going to stick to five minutes and you went up first. I remember sitting there thinking, <laughs> someone's had a laugh. <laughs> five minutes. I didn't know. Didn't I don't think so. <laughs> I think the, the pe- I was sat on a table and, and when they was, was all talking, they was almost shocked that I was a patient sat there on the table. You know, almost like... Who's this this person? A patient sat here. Um, and I'm not knocking anybody that like you that that's organised it, but yeah. it, it it just needs to be developed a lot more in terms of uh, they can they can give a lot of uh, steering and and help towards any reforms that that we're yeah, considering yeah, exactly. because. And I'm not saying I'm an educated patient. I'm just saying I, I've, most of it I found out the hard way. Um, but that, that 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 was quite interesting, and it was quite refreshing because it was very welcoming to me as well. Um, I, I use I use the uh, term there sat around my table. You know, if I had, if I had to start the journey again, what would a good physio look like? You know, how, how do you when, when you go and you're looking for a physio? I need a physio to help me with that. Yeah. How, how do you really know? And, and I'm not talking about he's got accreditations, he's got all these names and letters behind his name, etc. But what does a good physio look like? And, and, and any re- reform to me and in the future would be to make life easier. As I say, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I had to start again, how would I know which one's the best one to go to? I did lots of research. I ended up with you. It could have been anybody. I mean, I ended up going to America to, to Kelly Starrett as well. And, and, and it's... It's difficult, and it shouldn't be that difficult. You know, a typical NHS patient will be referred to the NHS. Will they be getting the right person to help fix them? I don't, I don't think they will be. So you've experienced a wide variety and variation, and so do you feel that, that as, as t- tidying that up would, would make patients like yours' lives better? Yeah, most definitely, yeah. I, I called it the, let, let's call it the, the Charlie effect, the event I went to. I thought about it as the Charlie effect, yeah. And let's say Charlie is a physio. I made it up, yeah. Or I might not have made it up. So Charlie's a physio. He's the sort of physio that I went to see when I first started. And, and he, he is is um, he's hardworking, he's conscientious, he's intelligent, he's, he's on the ball, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's ticking all the boxes. But he's just working all day as a physio, and if the patients are in, like I was, and the patients are out, and he ain't got the time for 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 some of the things that you like to do—a lot of research and a lot of understanding and a lot of you know um, 
call it personal development, continued professional development. And I suppose there's a lot of physios that's listening that can resonate with that. They just work. And they work don't, be easy. They, don't, they don't get paid that well either. Mm. And you can understand why the, 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 the Charlies just get a little bit fed up and um, you know perhaps even some consider leaving leaving the industry which is really sad but I'd have to say the the Charlie that I saw at the event and there was probably a few in the room they're the person I want to see because the way they came across and the way they talk they understand this some of the stuff that we're, we're talking about today they're on it not just because they're at the big R's but you can just tell that they are the new school way of of breaking down these old old traditional ways of thinking and doing things, and not just because they they can explain pain, but they can put it back in a way where me as the patient can go away thinking I feel really assured now that that I don't have to yeah. panic that it's all all right and um, yeah so it, there was a bit of a Charlie effect as we sat around me but the, the table the char the, the the Charlies as you're describing them are craving a support network and a system. That can help them to flourish and to move beyond the yeah, but old I models. I don't, I, don't, I see when people, you know, if if you used to say the big R's, what's all that about? And that, I mean, I've I've, I've had a quick look. I've read. I see what you're trying to achieve, but more importantly, the Charlies should be continuously mentored. The Charlies should be looking up to leaders like yourself and others. They should be looking up to the, the, the questions around how they're developed, continuously developed to keep them abreast of developments in the physio-musculoskeletal world is so important. So they don't leave or don't go somewhere else. Um, uh, I don't know if physio's a ten a penny, but uh, it's, is there a disparity between NHS physios, people in private practice? Is the quality of it different? I dare say it is. All I know is that I've been exposed to both, and I can tell you there's a there's a massive difference in, in both. Yeah, there's a variety across all those yeah. different yeah. sectors and things. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point. You need you. I point to you, but I know it's not you. You've got a great team, and and it, it has to involve more patients. It has to involve people, not necessarily like me, but people who've been exposed to the system to, to see how it can all be improved. If I, if I went to a physio in the future, I'd want someone who can articulate all the bits of that model, whatever that model is. Uh, and he's not just looking to um, tell me that I've got gluteal inhibition and we're going to spend the next six weeks uh, doing some, um, you know, single leg squats or, or whatever. And, uh, oh, your core looks a bit weak, so what we're going to move on to now is a series of bird dogs and... Uh, mm. And curl ups. It makes me makes me cringe when you re, re, recount that. But yeah, there were only two patients in the room. One had to leave a little sooner than you did, and I didn't get a chance to introduce you to her. But fundamentally, of those, it's hard for us to to get patients in the room, and I need to make sure that I keep working on on that process. And um, we've run by some of the materials and, and telling more more patients about it behind the scenes, which is which is useful. But I certainly will be taking that feedback on board, and I, I doubt there's anyone, especially those that have listened to this and those that met you on the day, that would would disagree with that analysis. I think that you're right. I think we need to make sure that the patient voice is heard, and that their experiences of this variation, as you're describing it, and the complex ways in which it's touched your life, both for good and bad, uh, are accounted for and understood properly. Because if we don't learn from history, then I'm worried about where we could lurch towards in the future. 
The next chapter on that journey, if we think about the big R's, is that you'll be contributing to our session called Reforming Patient Engagement at the Reforming MSK Practice Conference in October 5th and 6th. What do you hope is discussed and what does an MSK industry that listens appropriately to the patient voice, as you've described it, look like if it was to reform, as I'm suggesting it should? You ask all the tough questions, don't you? <laughs> That's right. I had to come up with one. <laughs> I'm just a patient, Jack. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. Feel free. Just say, I don't know. Get lost. Don't That's know. horrible. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm starving. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I want to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, a physio, I've touched on this earlier, um, I, I, a physio, the, the role has to be far greater than a, 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 a fixer of a biomechanical issue. And I, and I said about this, they're part of a, a therapeutic alliance where you know, a person, individual, has got persistent pain, but the te- this team of people can help. It can only be a team of people. So the new role of a physio, he, he can be more than just that fixer of a, a mechanical issue. They, they're going to have to dip into areas of psychology and, and uh, you know, tough, tough questions around, well, talk to me about your social life and what you've had a fallout with the missus and, you know, uh, and, and start to link these other parts of the jigsaw puzzle up. And, right. and if, if they think, well, that's not our role, that's somebody else's, I don't think it can be because there's an awful lot of trust will be put in a physio that, that can temper that, you know, it's not just a physical issue, there are other issues as well. So, a wider role. For sure. Um, physios, have, I would think their, their number one lad, their number one role is, is to, to, to teach the patient the self-efficacy. This is how you will fix yourself. I am a facilitator. I can assess you. I can make sure it's not something serious. I can show you some exercises. But how do you get per patient from that position to the person achieving the goals in life? Whatever that is. Picking the grandkids up, doing a triathlon, playing walking football for Wales. Maybe not. (laughs) Uh, You know... uh, Let's use the, um, I'm an ex-firefighter, so let's use the slippery, the greasy, slippery fireman's pole. Chronic patient's at the bottom of the pole. When he's in chronic pain, he's, he's trying, or she's trying to just climb up that slippery pole. The physio's got to show him a way round, so go up the stairs, go do, do another a route. Build him a ladder. So the intervention between <coughs> both is your, your job. And there's a lot of tools we talk about, you know, how do you develop a mindset to do that? How do you develop willpower, self-efficacy? All these other bits like the diet, the, the sleep, the lifestyle, uh, exercise, etc. Really explaining about pain. They're all additional tools that, you know, you might have to up your game. Someone's got to up the game and do it. Otherwise, we're just going to be in the same predicament we're in now where, you know, I've been in the pain uh, medical business since the day I went into the GP I'd have been in, out, in, out looking for an answer and I've ended up coming to a physiotherapist who's finally explained it to me that's not you alone Jack that's me finding other physios yeah. but you've been the ice on the cake where physios have been the ones that have unlocked it for me you ain't a consultant expert at the pain clinic physios yeah that is the belief that I've got in the system. Um, 
that they are probably the best in the best place to to explain this wider issue of it's not just a tissue it's not just a, a disc issue it's other things in your life so you don't think it's overly ambitious for me to try to say <coughs> that physiotherapists can provide a leadership role they have to the... it's not if and when and they have to and, and you know if that goes back to the training that received to the way they're accredited to the exams to the syllabus I don't know don't know what's on your current syllabus on the current syllabus for explaining pain but you know. <laughs> oh, you're smirking! I can, should, the, the the voice of the microphone can hear. We should all get a free copy of the Supercharge book because that explains it in sure. a way that's very simple. Uh, I'm, yeah. And again, I'm not advocating that book or anything like that. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, yeah, I talked about you know the physio should should always be brave enough to um, to tell a patient it's not a physical issue. Again, that, it's bra- back. That, that, bra- that bravery <coughs> thing you've mentioned a, f- yeah. a few times and, and I think that that's it's bra- bravery without being brash I suppose when I've been thinking about it because you, you don't want you don't want a new dogma to emerge where because pa- that would be still done badly that could still be a therapist telling a patient what things are or aren't yeah. I suppose it's funny isn't it because I, I totally agree with you don't get me wrong but it's like a big conundrum to me trying to work out how can we make sure that we don't lurch towards just a new form of dogmatism well i made the point about uh, pain a physio should see the patient in terms of the pain and the context of the person so it's the pain and context specific and only by going into and listening to the stories of the patient that my life journey uh, I mean I didn't have any but w- if I'd have had adverse childhood events the ACEs even before I reached the age of 16 when the, I then went on to commando course I told you a, a couple of things that happened to me I've not mentioned anything else yeah. but then I move on to the fire service where you know I, I will have encountered lots of issues to do with stress exposure um, traumatic issues so everything's context specific and the physio they must unlock that. It is part of the, the pain journey. They can't account for it if they don't elicit they it in the first place. Now they can, they, can, they can dismiss it. It's not relevant. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I, I've been for CBT and um, I, I saw the, 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 the lady from the military. Um, and, and quickly, they both identified that I'd not got post-traumatic stress. Now, you're sat looking at me now thinking well where's this going and what's the relevance of this but yeah I've, I've probably got the hallmarks of somebody who could have post-traumatic stress disorder I've seen so much death and you know particularly in the fire service and, and things that most people would, would find unbelievable but it's part of the job but what happened is luckily every time one of these events happened I dealt with it at the time now yeah. That could be through debrief, through um, you know uh, uh, decompression activities. You know where you get round and you you, you 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 talk through the event. So in other words, I left it at work. Yeah, we used to have bars on fire stations, so we'd go to a fire, and you'd you'd see a, a fatality, a death that that wasn't pretty, um, and you'd come back. Then the bar was open. You'd be at the bar at work you'd have a drink you'd talk about it forgotten 
it was dealt with at the time. So I didn't have, I have not got post-traumatic stress disorder. But what if a patient comes into you, Jack, tomorrow, and he says, well, I'm ex-military, I did five years in the parachute regiment, and blah, blah, blah. I would, I would al already have an alert on, if I was you, to think, right, let's just uh, forget the back pain at the moment. Um, tell me a bit more about the, uh, some of the exposure you've had to, to stressful events. So you, you're doing yeah, a lot of linkages yeah. that are in, in areas that might be uncomfortable for you. Sure, because that's an interesting thing with PTSD as well, isn't it? That they have to draw a threshold somewhere with regards to what constitutes it as a umbrella diagnosis and what doesn't. And so yeah. in that situation, um, reflecting on not just what happened but also the constantly or subsequently what happened as in what what was what mechanisms were in place for you to deal with those situations yeah. so it, absolutely and also there's been there's been stories that can be told where some of the stressful circumstances even within the journey of treatment and care can sometimes be quite traumatizing to people that feel very vulnerable so yeah. there's lots of ways in which we need to better understand like you described it the mind body connection um, is there anything else that you'd like to add or, or tell the listeners before we wrap up? No, uh, only to thank you for inviting me here today and to the events, the Big Eyes events. And uh, yeah, if, if any of your listeners, I mean, I'm sure they're bored to death now listening to me. I, I, <laughs> Doubt I, that. If, if any of them want to reach out to me and, and if they think that I can help, I use the word help because that's what I'm trying to do, help others. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can contact me, and um, I'd be quite happy to talk to them or, or whatever they want. And uh, I'm sure I'll see some some of them again at the October event at the conference. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're thinking up lots of different ways in which we can we can do that, and we'll we'll liaise with you about how we can yeah. how we can best integrate your voice and your story into various different parts of the of the event. Also, um, we'll we'll make sure that your your Twitter handle and your and if you'd like your email address can be made available. Um, to to the to the appropriate people, but yeah. I thank you so much, and I don't want you no, to no. take for granted the the fact that the the opportunity you're giving people to hear this story, and and I thank you for uh, for your for your patience and and your willingness to help us to try and change things for the better based on some of the experiences you've had, good, bad, and ugly. So no, uh, I fine. think it's it's a very brave thing you're doing, and I really do thank you a lot. No, Can we go to the gym now? Please? Let's do it. Gym time. <laughs> gym time. See you later. Last thing you want from me is a waffly outro. So, at Adrian305330 to find Adrian on Twitter. And to hear more from him, of course, you can get in touch via, via us if you want his email address or to, to chat to him about these things in more detail. I'm sure we'll be hearing more from him, especially at the conference. Hashtag Dear Student Me is what we're talking about at the top of the show. Hashtag The Big R's, of course, The Big R-S, uh, to keep an eye out on, on that project as it develops, which involves going to reform.physio uh, forward slash community, uh, which will be up and running soon uh, to keep in touch with what we're getting up to there and to get involved. It's a fully transparent, fully inclusive network of people and community of practice that we're trying to develop. So keep an eye out for that and hopefully we can put a library and forum together uh, which will be uh, which is launching this week in fact and then www.buytickets.at so at forward slash reforming msk is the direct link to the conference website 5th and 6th of october we look forward to seeing you in manchester and keeping out all, all over social media as we bring you more and more of the program and the headline acts as we put it together all that's left for me to do is say that you've been listening to the Physio Matters podcast, discussing physio matters 
because physio matters. Bye for now.